0: Morning, Chelton. Jumbo. Jumbo. Oh wow. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> There's so many Kenyans here, or people who have, who have been to Kenya. Thank you for responding. That makes my wife and I and my son. Are you here, Mark? Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, feel quite at, at home. So thank you so much for that. Thank you to uh, Bill, uh, the pastor, for inviting me again to come and worship with you today. And also thanks to God for opening this opportunity for us to be able to come and worship with you. Um, I'm going to read the text for today, and that is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. Uh, You've been going through a series of messages from uh, the book of of the epistle of Peter, and we are now in chapter 4, and I am going to be uh, talking or speaking from chapter 4, verse 12 to 19. Dear friends... Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it it should not be as a murderer, or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler however if you suffer as a Christian do not be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God and if it begins with us what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God and If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together, and Lord, your word is before us today. And we want to praise you for your spirit himself, who is our teacher. May he teach us now, Lord. And it is my prayer that you may subject us to his tutelage, so that we may hear what you have for us today. And help us, Lord, also to respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there are many kinds of sufferings that we go through in this world. Um, we may suffer natural calamities we may have sufferings that come uh, because of illnesses and disease we may have sufferings that come be- because of loss and grief and at the outset i would like to say for those of you here who may be going through any kind of suffering i want to pray that god mercy may be upon you that he may encourage you in whatever situation Uh, you are in, in terms of suffering, and please remember his promise, he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. The kind of suffering that we are going to be talking about today is what we call persecution. And this is a different kind of suffering. It's It's a suffering that is because we are Christians. Persecution. Suffering because you are a Christian. Now, the passage that we'll be uh, looking at today is written by the Apostle Peter, and he's writing to uh, the believers in the Greco-Roman world because of their suffering situation that they were going through. So around A.D. 64, there was this huge fire that destroyed the great city of Rome. And everybody knew that Nero, the emperor of that time, was so obsessed about building a beautiful city. And everybody thought that it must be Nero who actually ordered for the burning of the city of Rome. But Nero would not take the blame. He wanted to find a scapegoat to blame, and that scapegoat happened to be Christians because they were already victims of social hatred and hostility from everyone. They were hated, and so Nero found a way, you know, these are people who keep talking about an end of time when there is going to be fire that is going to consume people who do not believe. So Nero used that idea and said, you know what? It is actually Christians who caused the fire. And everybody hated them. And they were persecuted because of that. And there were many other persecutions that were going on against Christians. In fact, Nero himself, the emperor, whenever sometimes when he invited people to, uh, to come to the palace as a way of entertaining them, He would have Christians thrown into the den of lions. And as now they are being torn apart by the lions, you know, that would render some entertainment to his guests. Now, Peter is writing this part of the letter with that context at the back of his mind. And he is writing to instruct his believers, he's writing to encourage them in this situation and also to instruct them on how to respond to suffering uh, as a Christian, how to respond to persecution. What are we supposed to do when persecution comes our way? And uh, that is the question that I want us to handle today because even us, as I will be mentioning later, We do go through persecution of all kinds, different kinds of persecutions. And therefore, at the outset, I want to say this is going to be a little bit of a a difficult message to listen to, because as you hear, it's going to be talking a lot about persecution and suffering of Christians. And this, uh, this is really part of who we are. Remember Jesus saying what? He said, if you want to come after me, he says, you must Deny yourself, and do what? And carry the cross. In other words, our journey is one that will involve, yes, a lot of enjoyment and celebration, but it will also involve the carrying of the cross, a symbol of suffering. It will involve some degree of suffering. So here is the question that I want us to, to, to deal with today, and the question is, how should we as Christians... How should we respond to suffering when it comes our way? And the first way to respond is that we should expect it. Do you expect suffering? (laughs) We should expect it. Listen to what Peter says. Dear friends, verse 12, and you can actually, that also can be translated as simply beloved. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful fiery or a painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, he's telling them: do not be astonished when, when you go through suffering. Do not be surprised. This is not something abnormal for you as Christians. This is actually something that is very normal for you as Christians, when you go through suffering. Do not be surprised. Now, you can ask the question, but how come? How come we are not to be surprised? And the answer is because you bear the name. Whose name? Because we bear the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, Peter is not being uh, coming up with a novel idea here. He's not being very creative here. He's actually repeating the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of uh, John 15, Jesus says these words. He says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They will treat you this way because of my name, because you bear my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. And here is the principle now, then, that I would like you to uh, go home with. That is, If you bear the name of Jesus, persecution becomes the norm and not the exception. And let me repeat that. If you bear the name of Jesus Christ, persecution then becomes the norm and and not the exception. And we see this play out through the history of the people of God. We go to the book of Hebrews and we call that what the chapter of the heroes of faith. And sometimes we read a little bit and we don't go all the way to the end. And I want you to go when you go back home, read the end of the of the eleventh chapter of the book of Hebrews, and you are going to find these words there. It says, some of those people, those great men of faith and women of faith, Abraham and all these others, coming to the apostles. It says. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sued into. they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, for the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes, and in the ground." This is the story of our people, the people who have gone before us. Peter himself, the one who is writing the passage that we are talking about today, how does he how does his life end? Peter ends up being uh, crucified. And how was he crucified? By the way, he decided, no, I don't want the honor of being crucified like Jesus Christ. I don't want to be crucified head up. He requested to be crucified the other way around, feet up. And that's how his his request was granted. That's how Peter ended his life. Fast forward to um, the, uh, the 16th century, and you find the martyrs of the church Believers, people who are being persecuted because of their faith. The, um, the, the queen of that time, Queen Mary I, who um, is known for really persecuting Christians at, at, at that time. She killed so many Christians that she came to be nicknamed the Bloody Mary. And fast forward to the 20th century. Mythologists, they tell us that the 20th century is indeed the bloodiest century. It is bloodier, the 20th century was bloodier than all the 19th centuries prior to it put together. And we have persecutions everywhere in the world. Thank God We are not talking about physical torture and of that kind of persecution in our country today, but we have persecutions going on in North Korea, in Pakistan, in China, in India, in Yemen, in in, in, uh, Nigeria, in in Libya, in, in Egypt, and all these other countries in the world where your brothers and your sisters are going through difficult situations. And as I said in the, in the first service, I would say this to you. We belong together with them. And we, we should pray for them. When they hurt, we hurt. When they are experiencing pain, we are. Because we are a body. Uh, I mentioned earlier in, this, in the earlier service, um, uh, if you think about you, you, are, you are cooking in, in the oven, and then you, uh, one of your, just this little finger here, let's say just your little finger here burns. Okay, it gets a burn. What, what do you do? You say, okay, you take care of yourself. Where did you even go there? <laughs> no, it is part of your body, and what you are going to see is that you are going like this. Every part of your body is participating. You are, maybe you are tearing. How come? Because this little finger is the part of the whole. And we do the same when our brothers and sisters, wherever that may be, Whether in China or North Korea or Yemen, when they are suffering, we suffer. The body of Jesus Christ is suffering. Let us remember them. There are sites in the in the website in the in the in the internet where you can find how to uh, find information about the persecuted church, and you can just uh, Google that. Now, in two thousand and sixteen. There was a, um, an, an explosion of a bomb in one of the churches in Cairo, Egypt, St. Peter's in, uh, in, uh, in Egypt. And there is a, a story of this lady here, Samiha, who was sitting very close to where this bomb exploded. And she got very serious injuries so that one side of her face was completely destroyed. Uh, the eye and the ear of one side completely destroyed. She goes to the hospital. The, hu- the husband went to the hospital. He couldn't recognize his wife because of the burns. But it is interesting to see that even with all that, now she comes out and, and uh, uh, this, the lady next to her asks her the question, are you angry about those people? And listen to the way she responded. She is not angry at all. She says, If I would meet the family of the attacker, the only thing I would ask them is, do you know Jesus? I pray they will find the right way. Is that amazing or what? You know? Um, Tertullian, one of the early church fathers uh, from Carthage in in North Africa, he's writing about persecution of the early church. And he says, at one time they took John, the writer of the Gospel of John, they took him in persecution time, they took him and actually put him in a boiling pot of oil. And says he says he came out and nothing happened to him. Absolutely nothing. In fact, John himself described it as a, an experience where he actually felt like a, like a, like a child. Today, that would be like he felt like he had received a, a plastic surgery on his face, you know, feeling so nice. And um, um, Tatulian writing, he says, uh, but by the way, he, as, as he's writing that, he says, so many people, after seeing that miracle, so many people, you think many people will run away from, from, from the faith? So many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Tertullian makes this very famous statement. He says, the blood of the church, uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs has become the seed of the church. And so, we, we are to expect suffering. How are you to expect suffering in your in in America of today. And I would say, we have to expect suffering at home because of some of our unbelieving members of our families, because they are going to ridicule you, they are going to hate you, they are going to isolate you, they are going to do all this and even to despise you. And this will happen at home, it will happen uh, at your place of work, it will happen in school. Maybe they w- you will get bullied in school, again, just because of your faith. Yes, we are to expect suffering, to ex- expect suffering because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. The second thing we are to expect <clears throat> or we are to do, how to respond to suffering, is to rejoice, to rejoice. Huh? Okay, what does it say here? It says, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of God rests on you. So, you wonder what? Rejoice? Probably... Uh, expecting persecution, I can understand. How about rejoicing? That I don't get. And and if you put yourself in the shoes of the uh, the the, first, the audience of of Peter, you can imagine you can hear them saying exactly what I just said. Hey, Peter, uh, what are you talking about? And by the way, the beautiful thing is that. Peter himself was going through the same. So he's not standing aloof and saying, hey guys, when this happens, you need to do this. You know, he's part of of it. And he's going through the same. So he says, rejoice. And the question is, um, uh, what do you mean? And I want to explain this by way of distinguishing for you between happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is external. You are happy when uh, during your Mother's Day, somebody gives you a gift. You're happy. Or maybe it's your birthday, and someone, somebody gives you a gift, you're happy about it. That's circumstantial. It's, that happiness is dependent upon this card that somebody gives to you. It's circumstantial, it's external. Joy, on the other hand is relational, and is actually internal. And it is regardless of the external circumstances. It is relational in that it is dependent upon, it is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore, uh, uh, regardless of the circumstances that are around us, there is going to be that deep-seated sense of peace and strength and, 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 uh, and, and courage and, and confidence that we have deep down our heart. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Not. It is actually in spite of the circumstances that are around us. Now, with that in mind, we understand. Now, then the question is, how come we should rejoice in the face of suffering? <clears throat> because, number one, of what I would call here present blessings that come to us, they are present blessings, verse fourteen. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of God and this is the Shakinah glory of God rests on you and the Shakinah glory of God is as a reference to that presence of God. If you remember the, the, the Moses. That uh, in, uh, uh, in Egypt, uh, I mean, uh, in the, as they are moving along in the, in the wilderness, the Shekinah glory of God showing up, the presence of God, that presence of God, he says, Peter says, will come upon you when you go through suffering, persecution because of your faith. The Holy Spirit of God will come and rest upon you in a very powerful way, in a way that Cannot be explained. There is no natural ways, no natural way to explain it. It is supernatural. And, and in this, I would say, um, maybe you have seen someone, a, 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 a sister in the Lord, a brother in the Lord, going through some suffering, and you were wondering, oh my goodness, how, how do they make it? How are they able to stand? You know, I, 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 I just can't. If it were me, I don't think I can stand. Going through what they are going through. And you know what? You cannot. Because the reason they are going through it, the way they are going through it, and they are able to to maintain and to to maintain some sense of character, even through that, their Christian character, is because the Holy Spirit rests upon them in power. And the supernatural the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is carrying them through. Secondly is future blessing. There is a present blessing, but there is also the future blessing. And here it is. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. You may be overjoyed when His glory, the glory of Jesus Christ is revealed. When He returns, you may be overjoyed. Um, You know, Paul a very beautiful picture of this. And you find it in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, and I recommend that you read that chapter, of uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. It's a beautiful chapter about our resurrection and how our bodies are going to be transformed. But toward the end of that chapter, he talks about victory, and this is the, the kind of future blessing that we, we have. It's a victory in Jesus. We have victory right now, but it's not in the ultimate sense. Then, when Jesus Christ returns, we are going to have victory in its ultimate sense. And this is it. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, and these are rhetorical. Actually, Paul is, is using, in the Greek language, is sarcastic. This is sarcastic language. he's, he's being mockery toward, de- uh, toward death and Satan and all the weapons that Satan uses. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He's mocking death. He's mocking that powerful weapon of Satan. How is Paul able to do that? Because of verse 57, which says, But thanks be to God, for he gives us victory in Jesus. Thanks be to God, for he gives us victory in Jesus. Um, I gave this example in the first service, and I will give it now. My son was not here when I did that. I'm going to give this example, and it involves my son, Mark, there. And I see my daughter is back there, too. But this doesn't involve my daughter. Um, so, uh, when they were younger, uh, when they were little boys, three, four, there I think, um, I would hear them making noise in the, in the basement, and, and I think it must have been Mark c- uh, crying. Ah! And then I, I would come and, and, uh, and find out they were fighting, and his big brother is the one who is hitting him, and, and so then I separate them, and I take Mark on, on the side, and then he would hold my leg, and then he goes like la, yeah, la, 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 going to his big brother like that, and his big brother will, and then he goes away. You know what? Because, you know, he knows he cannot touch him because of daddy. You know, daddy will take care of him if he does. And you know what? I think we, we, we will be able to do the same then. You know, with Jesus Christ standing there, you, you stand by him, by his foot, and you can go that way to Satan. This time, not not me now, to Satan. And you can hey Satan. La 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 la. Because he's not able to touch you again, we have victory in Jesus Christ. And at that time it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now finally, there is something to beware of regarding this idea. Of persecution, something to beware of, and there is something to beware of for Christians. There is also something to beware of for the non-believers. We start with the Christians. <clears throat> for Christians, if you suffer, it should not be um, as a murderer or a thief or an, any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. Um, Uh, Medler, that's an interesting word there, by the way. It's a person who pocks his nose in other people's business, okay? However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Something to beware of there is that as a Christian, beware that your suffering is not because of wrongdoing. So, in other words, what Peter is telling me is that, Alfred, if you are receiving too many calls from the IRS, and maybe too many letters from the IRS because you have failed to pay taxes, well, don't say that is suffering because you are a Christian. That is suffering because of wrongdoing. Okay? Enough about that. To the Christians again, one more. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit or entrust themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is beware of retaliation. Do not fight back when they attack you. Do not fight back when they persecute you. Do not try to get even with them. Why? Because we are to follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when they, heard, uh, when they heard their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he, Jesus Christ, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He surrendered. And trusting is actually a... A, a bank, state, uh, a bank uh, terminology. It's like you're depositing yourself to God in safekeeping. They are in the hands of God. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He did not try to retaliate or to fight back. No, he said, God into your hands I commit my spirit. In fact, he says forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And we hear the same same words with Stephen. When they are stoning themselves, Father, please forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Commit uh, and trust yourself in the hands of God. Now, to the non-believers, and, and this is um, almost like, um, you know, difficult for, for those of us here who may be here who are not believers. Uh, 17 to 18, something to beware of. And this is something to beware of in terms of your eternal destiny. Where are you headed? It says this, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome of, uh, be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner. Let me paraphrase this for you. It's a little bit of a uh, difficult verse here to understand what it is talking about. Verse 17, to put it differently, what Peter here is saying is that if, it is, uh, if Christians suffer, if suffering is so serious and severe for Christians, how much more will it be for those who reject the gospel? And verse 18, what he's saying there is, if salvation is also so difficult, why? Because it involves suffering, it involves carrying of the cross. If it is so, that, so, that difficult even for us who are saved, how much more will it be for those who are ungodly and for those who are sinners? Now, the answer to that uh, then was very obvious to the audience of Peter. They knew the answer for that very easily. But it is no longer obvious to us today. And why is that so? Because there are all kinds of views about what will happen to, the, to people who don't believe in the future. Some people say, oh, they will just go into a state of oblivion, into a state of unconsciousness. Uh, they will just go into a state of um, um, what they call annihilation. Um, they, they will just simply cease to exist, and that's it. Well, that's an opinion, but it's not true. We depend on this to give us the truth of what will be. So what will it be? Here it is. And Paul gives us, in Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven to 10, he says this: "This will happen. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know the God, do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes, to be glorified in his holy people, and to be marveled at at among all those who have believed. Of course, that is a very, very uh, difficult description of the eternal destiny of those who do not believe. And I'm here to say, if you are here, if there is any one of you uh, who does not believe, I literally, literally beg that you come to Jesus Christ. His arms are still wide open. This kind of description does not have to define your eternal destiny. It doesn't have to. And we have the time right now that it's still open, and God wants you to come in. Jesus says, come, and I will give you rest. The writer of the book of Hebrews says these words. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you for your word, which is powerful and is strong. Father, it's my prayer that you may help us, those of us who may not know the gospel those of us who may not have come to faith in Jesus, our desire is that they come and that, Lord, they can be part of uh, this community of believers who are awaiting that glorious day when our Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed, a time of joy and happiness and gladness that the world has never known. So thank you, Father. And as we look forward to that time, we say, come, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amén.